0: everyone got one what's your
1: opinion this is the ramp room times won't be bit. ain't no rules just spill it and anybody can get it no limit we get to kill it You tuning into the thrillers and no ain't no stopping any topic even the random i hope that you ready we entering in the zone soon we only grown shit welcome to the ramp room
0: no,
2: that's it that's
0: all i got to say What's up, y'all? It's your boy Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriter's Rant Room. We keep it real, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it what y'all? 20, 2022. 20, 20, 20. 22. Yeah, on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. <laughs> you hear my voice? All scratched up, brother. Finally got the Rona after two and a half years. (laughs) Tough man, tough, isn't it? I was at least—I was at least glad that my husband Scott got it too, because he got it like because I think I got it last Friday.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: then by Sunday, I, I was definitely feeling like some kind of a fever or something coming up. And then so we did a test that night, and I was positive. So we immediately separated rooms, and then. Um, by Tuesday morning, he woke up full on 102. I was like, oh, shit.
2: You
1: yeah. Know? It's just yeah. contagious so shit right now.
0: now.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, the, the,
1: the, the, the various the various versions of, 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 of Omicron are so contagious. It like wants to it's, stay alive as much as it can. So it's got to be as infect motherfuckers as fast as it can. Right. And the, I mean, the this, message this, being
2: it's not over. Yeah. For everybody listening is like We all want it to be over. It's been going on a long time. We're here in Los Angeles. The numbers are going up. A lot of people don't want to wear their mask. So you really have to be careful, and hopefully people will be more responsible. Like, it's just we're not done with it yet, unfortunately. Well, here's
1: the thing. You know, they they said on Friday, I was listening to the news on Friday morning, they're going to – like they're reinstituting the indoor mass mandate on July 29th, ninth, right here in LA.
0: Yeah, is it like for two weeks or something, or is that gonna be yeah.
1: for a while? It, it it's probably gonna it's probably gonna be. I don't know what they said. I mean, I'm I mean like yeah. I'm gonna turn the It'll story a
2: month or so. They usually... A month,
1: weeks. Because the whole yeah. thing is they're trying, get, they're trying to get that new vaccine out, but the vaccine that's ready to come out now is kind of geared. To the BA one. And now this BA five is up. They're kind of like, can you like Pfizer and Moderna? Can you, can you reconstitute it for what's going to, but they're like, what's going to come in November? I mean, what are we doing? I mean, we might as well just hit what we can now. So yeah, it's, you know, it's like they've been saying, it's never going to go away. So. We still
2: have 28% in the state of California Unvaccinated, not getting vaccinated,
0: twenty eight percent.
2: And I'll give you, I'll give you a quick one. It has nothing to do with screenwriting, but since we're we're on COVID, um, my wife's friend, her husband, she's married, to his husband, and two kids, right? They're in the Pacific Northwest. Um, had a big summer vacation trip planned. So they're going to fly to the south. Drive around, They're very active, a mm-hmm. lot of hiking, do a lot of trips with the kids in the summer. Mm-hmm. So the husband gets infected. Um, he's a school teacher, so he's essentially off during the summer. It's a very precious time, you know. After mm-hmm. they, they want to take advantage, you know, while he's off,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: he gets COVID. So instead of Him or them staying home, essentially, they go on the trip anyway. And their point of view is like, well, the trip is already paid for. We can't cancel. So they go on the trip. Wow. They all get COVID. (laughs) And they're like traveling and going around the country. So you have people who are spreading it that way. Like, it's like, and then you go outside, you go in the airport. I was in florida north carolina recently in airports and in order for that to work everyone has to wear their masks if only a few people are wearing masks the shit isn't going to work and so you have a lot of self-absorbed irresponsible people out here and that's a big part of like i get the new variants are very contagious and more transmissible than before Mm -hmm. but you also have a lot of irresponsible people. And that's where you got to just be aware of of that and
0: kind of look out you, for that. You know what's interesting? I know we're sitting and talking about COVID. But it's, it's, it's just interesting is, I feel like I know the moment I got it, like where I was. Like, I don't know if everybody is aware of when they thought they got it. it this just my opinion of how it, because once it happened, my whole world shifted. So I went to the gym last Friday, about two o'clock, and maybe a little bit earlier, and I was walking, I didn't have a mask on, <clears throat> I was walking around, and there's an area where all the free weights are. And I, was, and I hardly ever go over there, and I was like, ooh, I feel like doing this exercise. So I walk over there, and it's just packed with people. And I was like walking through, trying to see, can I fit, can I squeeze in? And I stopped and I smelt this smell that was borderline musty, but it was borderline like that's the smell of COVID. Like there was something about it and I knew it was COVID. I don't know what it was, but I was like, what the fuck was that smell? And I immediately walked out, went upstairs, washed my hands. And I'm, I'm a little just weird. But I, took, I have this spray bottle that I use. It's got the sanitary. And I sprayed my hands. And I always like kind of put it in my nose a little bit. I literally was doing all that because like something just fucked with me. And the next day, I woke up in the morning going, oh, shit. Something's not right.
1: You know? Well, yeah. I mean, like, I've been going to the gym January through April until I messed up my hand. And I was wearing a mask the entire time. Right. And then, like, I do know, Saturday night before I came down with it, like, on Tuesday, I went out with this girl to this bar, and we went to, like, two bars that night. And I was like – I mean, there's one bar they were, like, like, they were doing a contact thing. You know, you did, like – you have to, like, you know, like, whatever, the contact tracing to get into the bar. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. But I was like, oh, that was it. That was it because too many people – you know, I'm sure there's very few people vaccinated. And even if you are vaccinated, you're still, you're still, the way it is now, like, like you still transmit it. To me, That's the right. thing that like, that, like, I kept saying to myself was, how bad would this have fucked me up if I didn't get vaccinated or boosted? I would have probably been real fucked up. Like, the people, you know, just like it was in the beginning yeah. when there was nothing. I was, I, I was like, I could not imagine what it would be like. But, you know. People are gonna get hurt. I mean, they're all gonna get hurt. I mean they're saying now that this current the, the new variant, even if you got it now, you still might get it in like three to six months. So you gotta all oh, just gotta be careful. Great. Careful, careful, Great. careful. So speaking anyway, of welcome speaking to of, the
0: rent room. And, go ahead, what?
1: Speaking of are careful and not being careful, you have you <laughs> have to be you have to not be careful as a writer. That's what your thing is. Can't be conservative (laughs) as a writer.
0: Exactly. You got to be on your P's and Qs, Jack. Um, It's funny. um, You know, I'm going in the week nine or ten, I think, next week already. What week are you in, Chris?
1: Oh, no. I forget. Um, Because you're
0: one week ahead of me when you started your room.
1: Well, I see, I think 16th. that we. You, st- started oh, I, I, like. you know what? I think we start week eleven tomorrow.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to week ten. <clears throat> um, of, of of working over there with, with uh, Ben and them, and it's been, it's been an amazing experience. I have no regrets about it whatsoever. Um, I think about it all the time about the big sacrifice I did with not doing any of my work anymore. You know, there's literally no time. You know. Every time I think, oh, maybe tomorrow I could probably get back to working on my doc or something. <laughs> it comes something else in the morning. Hey, check out these other six. No, episodes. Look, <laughs> I mean, but it's like
1: that. I mean, yeah. it's like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, like, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat with you know with my show. I mean, mm-hmm. you know the the biggest difference so far that I've come across with the a procedural show, like a network procedural. Obviously, you might, I mean, it was different on those off-network ones, those basic cable <clears> ones. But, <throat> and then what Star Trek was, how much is that, you know, is that, you You know, like you're basically designing so much story every for every episode. You got to work right. out, like, everything. And I feel like, you know, there was just. I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't. Is it was like the like the episode design is so different because you got to churn through so much. It has to make certain type of logic because you're coming up with a new crime and new criminals or bad guys, whatever it is. Like every episode, and how does all that work? You guys out aren't, you guys make, aren't
0: serialized, right? As much
1: this. I mean, are more things like,
0: or are they. Just have like it's all, all stand it's all standalone. It's
1: all standalone. It's mm-hmm. Like there's like, like some of the personal story with Queen. Yeah, the there is people.
2: character work, even yeah, though it is, a
1: uh, but it's but it's not really like it's it's not. I mean, it is kind of drawing from episode to episode, you know. But it's not like we have to hit this and that. Oh, like, you know, we got to keep this and keep this alive. and Remember this story. We got to we got to filter it in. I mean, I mean, you know, when we. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, writing on a 10-hour single story as opposed to writing an hour story um, to basically they kind of have to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? In terms of like, hey, we got to do the beginning, middle, and end for the whole story and make it all work and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's like it's such a compressed type of storytelling. I mean, and, and look, I mean... Not that I, um, like to to me it's it's just the the biggest difference for the biggest adjustment I'll say. It's not it's nothing i complain complaining about at all. It's not like oh I can't do it or blah blah blah. It's like the, the adjustment is I didn't get into to, to watching television when it was on that kind of like that model you know, like the, the, you know, like the, the traditional television model that we all kind of know and remember and everything up until the age of like the serialized storing, uh, you know, I, I would watch a show here or there, you know, off and on, I would say from when I graduated high school until, um, you know, like I, maybe six years ago, I probably, I mean, I, there wasn't a lot of television I was watching. You know, I mean, I started watching stuff. Yeah, you're a, you're you were know, a movie more... guy for a long time, though. Yeah, I'm a movie guy. You know, I'm such yeah. a movie guy. So it's like, you know, and, and people go, what's the difference? And, oh, isn't it the same writing? And and it's really not. You know, I mean, sure, you got to know how to write character. you got to know how to write your scenes, you know, things like that. But it's not, you know, when you're giving your episode to write and all that, you know. And, but it's not the same at so many levels because you're not – really caring so much about, like, how does the character... Like, like like in our episodes, the characters don't necessarily arc. You know, like, the whole thing about television is the characters don't necessarily change. They might change over a season, but not episode to episode. And, you know, and when you're writing a movie, like, the whole thing is, what's the character change part? Um, You know, and then even when you're doing like a serialized show you know it's closer to, it's, it's closer where it's like the arc is the whole season as opposed to each episode you know and then and then you got to map out and you got to map out the arc i remember i remember we did that a lot on star trek we would like you know not when we do a season 3 i remember some of us would sit down and just kind of like take all the characters and put them up on a on a bulletin board just kind of like and map out what we, what we wanted their arc to be you know over 10 episodes you know and then we would kind of find places where oh you know, like if so for this episode and this episode, these two, you know, are on kind of a similar journey. So how do we, you know, like like make sure that you know that that spike points in their arc aren't in the same episode? You know, there's there's, there's a lot more of that going on. Um, but again, that's a different show too because it's such a uh, such a big franchise and everything like that. So, but I feel you about not being able to write on your own material. I mean, it's really. Really, I mean, I knew it, come. so it's
0: not like I'm, you know, I didn't come prepared for it, you know. Well, I, I but knew it was part we, of the deal.
2: But to to Chris's observation about not being able to write for your own stuff at the moment, you know, we we spoke about it before, mm-hmm. like when you were sort of making your decision, right, and to boil it down, it it's like you'll be far better positioned Correct. to continue and to pick up your existing projects than you would have been otherwise. Right. And if Chris was in that space, I would have told him the same thing. Like <coughs> the Equalizer, okay, or Star Trek Picard, like those are touchstones in the yeah. business right now. Like what Ben is doing as a showrunner producer, that's a touchstone. He's among the most in demand, the hottest, whatever description you want to use. So that's clearly the best available option. And, you know, you got to get real with yourself in those moments and say, well, if I don't do this, is there a better option? How is this more advantageous?
1: No, no. I mean, but see, well, like you know, like the jobs I have, you know, I love them because they're like you said, they're 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 high profile credits, and that's like really important to me. Like, just you got to be with,
2: real about. Yeah,
1: that. it has. To, I mean, like I was trying to get on the Blade Runner show before it got delayed. I, I mean, I think they're doing a mini room and the room hasn't even started yet until I think the mini room starts in August. And it's like, I, and, th- and I heard about it in January and I was like, I'm not going to wait till August to not make any money this year. Now the difference is this though, like here's the big difference is that like right now is a really, really shitty time financially To be in the business, you know, we're having this discussion on Friday, you know, it's like if you had created a show 10 years ago. And, it, you know, when it got on the air and it did two, three seasons, you're looking at making 20 million dollars, you know, over the thing, you know, I mean, all these people say, oh, these big houses in Hancock Park or Malibu is TV money. And that's like, you know, like pre-streaming TV money. Like, right now, you know, now the, the thing DVD is, money. is that,
0: <laughs> right. it, well,
1: yeah, yeah, it's DVD money or yeah. everything like that, but right now, I mean, which is what, which you know, which is clearly why they're going to strike next year, is the yeah. fact that, you, you know what, you just get your episodic fee, and that's it. There's no residual at all. So, you know, before, if you got an episode, you know, or two episodes in a season, you know, like... Like, who, who was saying this the other day? Uh, yeah, the, my showrunner was saying this that, like, he knows the guy who created Blossom, right? So, one of his mentors. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he was saying that if, that if that's in the 80s, that if you got one of those episodes and the show went to syndication, each episode is worth around $2 million you know you know like through the life of it and everything yeah oh, okay. a show that could yeah. go to syndication you know so you get yeah. your fee and it just rolls out you know i mean i mean you know like i remember i met the guy who who created full house i was hanging out with him like one time backstage at this like richard jenny comedy thing and i was talking to him and and he was like i mean he had like three houses you know right. and i was like i was like god damn you know but and and like and you know and my show winner now was saying You know, he did a show on Netflix, and they totally screwed him. I mean, they didn't screw him, but it's like the model was, unless you get X number of people to watch your show, and then it can jump to the second or actually the third. like, 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 his show went one season. And he basically said Netflix didn't even want to promote his show because his star... Only had like 150 thousand followers, you know. It was the European show, European star, you know. As 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 comparison to like, you know. I think he said his show. I think they they told him that like 35 million people watched his show. And then he's like, wow. "Yeah, but compared, to, which is a lot of people, you think, right? Show didn't oh, go to the next oh, yeah. season. Yeah. Wow, uh, you know, Dang. but 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 they kept pointing to. Well, look at Stranger Things. 500 million people watched that." So it's like that's the metric, you know, and they're not giving you a chance for a show to kind of maybe build up an audience or anything like that. So the whole thing is there's less money for anybody to make. So the problem is on a show or something like that, you gotta work on two or three. You, you you should be developing shit constantly because you gotta be able to let, you know, and you gotta work your deal in a way that you get two or three things that you think are so excited about you gotta put that into your deal you know the exclusivity deal I mean that's what I have you know it was like hey because I'm gonna push these three shows despite me being on a show because you know the episode that I'm gonna get it or possibly two it's not worth it's not worth as much money and yeah. people say but you're making you're making a huge amount of money and blah 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 I am if I was living in if I was living in Atlanta you know or yeah, if I was right. living in Cleveland you know, but I'm, it's not, not if I'm living in Los Angeles, you know? Mm. So it, so the trade-off is, you know, you really got to find time. You, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm working as hard now as I, no, I'm working harder now than when I was, and I was trying to get on a show because, you know, I was, because when I was on a show, I was trying to get on a show. I was running my graphic design business. So i will be working like 50, 60 hours a week doing that. All the business affairs and, you know, business development stuff I had to do to actually do the work, you know, to contract out a couple of people to do work for me and to write. And the thing is, is that there's, you know, invariably I could find downtime, you know, like during the day, like, hey, you know what? I got to get two-hour lunch so I can do this and then spend time on some writing and blah, 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 you know, or whatever it is, or, you know, I'm kind of doing work that maybe is, you know, not so like, not so mentally taxing for me, but on the show, it's like, I'm in the room, you know, for the eight hours of it, constant, just constant grind, constant grind. And then I'm off and I like, and, and and my mind, I have to like pull my mind down maybe an hour or two after I get off before I can ramp up, you know, you know, like doing what I want to do in the evening or what I've been doing of late is, I'm, you know, I, I get up, I do like some working out, I come back and work on my own shift for an hour, hour and a half, you know, and then read the notes and prep for the room, and then you know, and go. Because the worst thing that sucks about being on a Zoom room is there's there's like, you know, like if I'm gonna go get a coffee, it's like a thing. It's not a thing, but it feels like a thing. It is a
2: thing. It is a thing.
1: It's a thing. You get everybody's gonna watch you. You either, watch me. You know.
2: I got to turn, turn my your screen screen off screen and, and leave and, and, say, and yeah, it, yeah. I'll be right
1: back or like, I got to take your a piss. Your absence please.
2: becomes very pronounced.
1: Yeah. You know, and it's like, and that was not the case in, in the, uh, you know, cause if you were, you know, what, uh, you know, when we were Star Trek, uh, like if I was going to snack room to get the coffee or a water, I say, Hey guys, I'm going to this time. You want it? I, like, who wants something? You know, and I would go and go to the bathroom and then get my shit and then brings st- and bring back who i uh, to who who wanted a coffee or uh, snacks or the whatever the fuck we had. Whereas you don't have that kind of like, um, uh, I mean, like that kind of like flow doesn't happen in the Zoom room, you know. And it's like, and we're always like taking these two scheduled bathroom breaks, like one right before lunch and one, you know, like like later in the day. And to me, I'm kind of like. Well, but if I could take a shit just at any time during the day, what's up with that? I'm not. I'm you know. So you got to get. It's just a thing. Like like they know when you're gone. They recognize when you're gone. And um, and I'm not sure if it's helpful to be so grinding like that. You know because um, I'm just. I mean, look. I don't know because on the Star Trek room we were in person, and when things would get hey, and, and if we got to a low what.
0: I'm sorry. I mean, did you go ahead, and finish your thought. No, I'll jump in. When you get to a low what?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, yeah. We would get in the low and then we go, and we go, all right, let's just take five and come back, you know? But that, that doesn't happen on the Zoom, so.
0: Let me just ask you this. So are you guys in a room that long for eight hours on Zoom?
1: We start at 10.30. We take a, a break at one, we come back at two, and then we're there until 5.30, or maybe 5.45, depending on if we're wow. on kind of a roll. That's, that's a and there's, there's, room, wow. <clears throat> I yeah, like how our, our
0: room is... Our room is... We do an interesting, Ben's very cool. So basically start at 9.30 or 10, depending on what the day is, and it ends at, like, 2, 2.30. But every single, like, hour everybody stops for five or ten minutes. You know, literally. And so that way we can keep well, going all the way through.
1: Here's the thing. The shows you're doing are probably serialized shows, right? Yes. It's easier to do that because you might not, you know, like the, unlike the episode we breaking now, there's like four kind of big things going on just the a story so if we kind of get like on a stuck on like hey we're trying to do this heist and how do we do it and what's the work you know what's where, where we're going to do it how they gonna, what's the actual execution we're throwing and we're throwing ideas throwing ideas and we're, oh, we're kind of what do we do what do we do oh you know what let's go talk about the brother right now and it's just like jump to that and right. jump to that you know because there's a there's so and then there's still the b story that we haven't even talked about and but but those are developed like slightly differently yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I would say on Star Trek is it was closer to what you're saying. You know, I'm not saying that we had it. You know, we're we're in at nine and then out at two, but it was like, but we'd, you know, like get there at nine thirty, work till around eleven, and wait until like the showrunner came in, or you know, if we had a question, we would go and say, hey, let's go ask him, or and wait, and if he wasn't available, then we'd be like, let's break through him he is, you know. Yeah and then come back because it was kind of like, you know, cause I mean, on a serialized show, the big moves, you can, you know, like kind of knock those out pretty easily. It's always like the smaller things that the, you know, these little, these little twists that you got to get a question about, or is this the right thing because it's going to now affect two, two episodes later. So let's wait to ask on that, you know, and the rest of it, I mean, p- plus I think on, a serialized show, so much more of it is like, you know, dealer's choice on like how the episode is going to break down because we never broke down. Well, we never drilled down so detailed on like in Star Trek on the episode scene by scene stuff, just kind of like, Hey, you know what the scene's supposed to do? Yeah. All right, boom. Let's keep going. You know, like, whereas in this show, because there is so much logic to it, because they're kind of like puzzles in a sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, like like we drill down so hard, and then it's like, okay, so let's get four options on this to like, hey, it's not 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 this, but it's like this, but it's like, so what kind of car is this guy driving? Let's get four options to pitch it to the showrunner, you know. Like right, it's, right, sometimes, right. It's, it's, it's sometimes specific. it gets that yeah. granular. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's cool. like, I'm not, I'm not complaining. It's just the different working styles. I think are geared toward who the showrunner is and the type of show that you're doing, and probably the genre of show that you're doing. You know, because if you're doing like a, like a mystery, which is kind of what our show is, um, you know, uh, like when my buddy called the other day, it's a friend of mine, not someone on the show. Oh, he said. It's Batman for poor people, is what the equalizer is. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a really good way of shaping it, you know, really good way of shaping it. Uh-huh. Um, let me, let me, you know, so Tracy, talking-
0: let, let, sorry, let me interrupt you. Go, Go, ahead. Ahead. Go ahead, let me ask, let me ask you, yes, sir, so good. So when you were, I'm assuming you guys are about to pick up on season two, um, if you haven't already started. Yes, um,
2: I. Um- what, what, I'm not want, allowed to officially no, no, discuss just, it. We'll that's fine. We'll keep but it in hypotheticals. We're,
0: we're talking season one now. Let's go back to there. Uh, yeah, all go good, out. all good. About because you, you were you were the one who was you know running the room working with the writers. Um, what, what do you think? What was your your pattern, or what was your style? Would you say you used when you were uh, like, how do you get the biggest bang? from your serialized
2: Well, here is how I became a better uh, head writer and producer. Um, And certainly, I learned a lot and there was a lot of things that I didn't know Mm -hmm. that will make me more effective going forward. Obviously, you got to please the showrunners. You all sort of know the story There are four eps two of those eps they're not writing um, their showrunners they're the ones who got the deal so make the showrunners happy give them what they want what they need even if that's outside of the immediate purview of writing
0: right.
2: as far as running the room and directing the other writers what i would tell them is that and our show is—it's a serialized drama. It's a half-hour show, but it's a drama, and it's essentially serialized. Um, you know, Lacey is a lawyer, but it's not a case of the week legal procedural. So you have a wide sort of palette. Um, to Chris's point about dealer's choice, you have a lot of options. So a big part of the challenge is making those decisions. Once the decisions are made, you can kind of move forward in terms of story structure. But the main thing is you gotta have actual stories. It's called breaking story for a reason. Now we, it's a half hour show, so we don't have to worry about like a teaser and five acts or six acts and the act outs for all those episodes. But you do have to have an actual Story with beginning, middle, and end. Um, goal. So you guys don't have a teaser. Escalation. Even in those
0: shows, there's, there's not like a teaser. Well, in we videos. are
2: there. There is there is effectively a teaser or a cold open, right. but you know there are a lot of things getting thrown around, and these you know some of these folks are less experienced. But you hear showrunners say a lot. I'm sure you both heard the question. It's like, well, what's the story? Right. Like that's a cool idea and you have an interesting vision and that's a nice piece of dialogue. but like what is the story? or where is the story? So very basic, like goal, escalation, resolution. The character wins or character loses. Once we have actual stories, and then you of course you got to have multiples so that if the showrunners aren't feeling it or they're not sure, or there's an issue with the actor, or there's a production issue, whether or not we can shoot it, you have two or three or four alternatives to throw at them. So once you nail that down, then you can talk about maybe being more visually interesting and impactful, doing things in a more dynamic way. If we need more action here, if we need a big set piece there. So my main thing is making sure their focus is on story. Like I like you got a cool line or idea for a scene or something happens in the scene. That's not really useful to me. Like eventually before too long, I'm gonna push and say, where is the actual story here? Yeah. And what does this get us from a story perspective? And you know, sounds very basic to say. It's more big But picture, that's right? where I keep the focus because the other stuff comes more easily after that.
1: Well yeah, because see the thing interesting, right? The thing about uh the writer's room is that it's it's very clear well what happens is the more you write is you start thinking of story runs, right? So like, okay, what's the, and that's like, what's the run in the first act? What's the run in the second act? What's, what's gonna, we're gonna do this, 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 we're gonna do this. this. I mean, and that, the ability to do that is what kind of like helps you like rise up the, the, the ranks because it's like, oh, you can like see beyond what's happening in one scene. You can start seeing, you know, and it's like the thing that, I think a lot of like writers who aren't working, who haven't worked on a, who haven't worked in a room yet don't like, I, I think they make it harder on themselves when they are trying to break a pilot, their original pilot. And it's this, it's like, you're saying, that's a cool idea. What's the story? You say to yourself, okay, there's two things you got to think about in the pilot, right? Like, like the broad story st- structure is what's the story of the pilot in terms of like how does that like set up this character and then what is the story and what's the conflict in this that's in the pilot story that's the conflict for this like for the season or for the series so that's so that's kind of like your big broad thing and then you guys to sound and go okay so now let's talk about the pilot and then what you say to yourself, I, say, oh, "I got my three acts, my five acts. So I do this and blah blah, blah blah blah." And the and the real quick thing that you that you that, you, that we that that like and this is this is not and this is not how I worked because coming from a feature, it's slightly different. Is what's the story of the teaser? What's the story of Act One? What's the story of Act Two? What's the story of Act Three? What's the story of Act Four? And you just kind of like, and you can and you write that down like a sentence or two. Hey, so, you know, like, so-and-so is is going to meet this person, and this is going to happen, and this is how it's going to end. Like, that is kind of it. And once you kind of, like, have that for every act, then you can go start saying, okay, so now I just know what the story is, like the broad story of the episode and the story of every act, and now you can start, you know, start bringing it down, bringing it down, bringing it down. But thinking about what's the story of every act will really help you hone how you think as a writer – For television, because that you know you and you and you're you're the end of it's the same thing. It's the beginning, middle, and end, like like with every story. Okay, the end of every the end of the story of every act has to be the act out that like propels you to, you know, like the next act. You know, as opposed to like stories over, it's like what is this the crisis point that takes you to act two? You know, and that's like you know I mean and 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 once you kind of to look at it that way, it becomes easier for you to help the showrunner, you're not throwing out ideas unless you're at that point that you're drawing down on like the granular things or, or, or what's, you know, and then you might, and whatever the act out is, you know, that might change based upon things that are changing throughout the story. But you know, essentially on what that is, like an episode we're breaking now, which is my episode, like something happened, you know, and, if, and it's, and it's the thing, it's the same in every episode of the equalizer hey, so if the cold open is, there's the torchbearer. Like, right? whoever is, yeah. who's, who's, who's ever going to come to McCall, Queen Latifah, there's a scene with her, there's a scene with that person, or, or whatever, maybe three three pages, something like that, two or three beats. Then you meet McCall, um with her family she gets to call to meet the torchbearer they have the conversation about oh help me help me help me and then they go back to the sanctum the bat cave talk it through and then there's like one or two beats after that that leads you to like here's the escalation you know and it's like if you start thinking that way it makes it easier for you as the writer and you know a lot of times when you're carding stories on your own you probably always card you, you essentially probably card too much you know, it's back to what Tracy's saying about like, you give me these smaller ideas that it can't help me right now. It's like, like you write those down and save those. I mean, so don't even put them on the board. Just figure out the simple story. Like, what's the simple emotional journey every act, and then start moving because you can start looking at the story and say, does it work as a story or does it not? Like, is that the shape we want or not? You know, and that's, you know, like Chris,
0: I, I, I like know. how you. <clears throat> I, I'm sorry. I, I like how you were talking about. Um, coming from writing features to writing TV, uh, what I was hearing was the sequence approach in the way that you were talking about it, where you break it down and they're in these little, you know, chapters, if you will. And in, a, in the sequence approach style, it's eight chapters. So it used to be every fifteen pages added up. If you add eight of them, now you have one hundred and twenty pages. <clears throat> now, if you break yeah. that down to um, You know, But mind you, this is 20 years ago when the fucking book came out (laughs) and when everybody was talking about it. So now everything is a lot shorter, so you have to condense all that. So I got it down to, say, 10, right? So now you make yourself up to about 100, 105-page script, right? And it still has the same thing going on. It's just everything's happening a lot faster. So now that we are writing television, we're looking at it the exact same way what you're saying we're still looking at each of these acts or chapters or sequences and now we're saying you know what's the story in this chapter right in in this mm-hmm. act in this sequence <clears throat> very similar and I think that's why when 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 I've said in the past for me it's easier to write a pilot coming from writing movies because that I I see it as such a simplified way to look at it and I look at it exactly like what
1: you're no, 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 no. I mean, look, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, like to me, you're you're absolutely right. I think that part of what you know, like the pilots that I was writing prior to getting on Star Trek, I was kind of using something similar to that. Um, but you know, the thing that was not making me like crack through was I wasn't writing a story that was like. I never seen this before. You Ooh. know, like, like, that's the main thing that, that I don't think that people like necessarily figure out. Um you know, it's like the script that I wrote that got me on Star Trek was not a science fiction project. It was a it was basically a family drama. It was, a, it was, about, a, it was about an entrepreneur whose life was just fucking up like he was a serial entrepreneur and he couldn't get it together because of his, because of a personal flaw and he got involved in something that, you know, that goes, that goes wildly crazy and, you know, not too many shows are on TV like that. And also shows like that, you know, that might be on TV about business people. So succession or shit like that are not about a black family. You know, and it's and it's not a succession black family either because that you know like sort of like puts you in like um, caricatures to a degree. I feel like I mean like I mean if you look at Succession, great show, a fantastic show. Obviously, everyone's loving it. Great character, everyone. But 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 everyone is sort of a caricature because you're dealing with such extreme wealth. People have to be they have to behave that way because hey, I'm throwing around two hundred fifty million dollars to buy you off. As opposed to, hey, like here's a thousand dollars to go away kind of thing, you know. If you're doing like, so, and, and the show I wrote, I remember like three, like three executives told me. Well, no, two showrunners and like and one executive told me. He, the executive told me he's this guy who runs uh, Shaka King's company, you know, who directed like Jews and the Black Messiah. He was like, I never seen a black family like this on TV. You know, and, and and he was like, if you're creating characters in situations like this, I want to read like whatever you do because you're not giving me what most people give me about black families. And then the there's the they're showrunners right. for for Star Trek, they, you know, when I told them, oh, like the scripts based on my father's, they're like, oh, this is your dad's life, and you knew what? how to take your family and put it into a show. That we all can understand and fucking like, you know, it doesn't feel too, the experience doesn't feel narrow. Like the, the the problem that could happen to a lot of people who are black or people of color is that, you know, you choose an aspect of your culture that is too narrow for people who, who, who aren't part of your culture to understand, you know. And then it's too hard for you to educate them in the length of a pilot you know so you're kind of like stuck in a weird place you know um so you have to find that balance i mean what's that show that um tanya siracha had on stars the, uh, the, oh, the, the uh about the about the about the latina lesbians or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah, yeah. i can't uh, remember what it's it called I but,
0: interviewed her about but the that's show. I <laughs> yeah
1: but that's a show if you watch it it's like oh you're like showing me a version of a Latino family that we've all kind of seen before. And all you're doing is kind of twisting a certain, certain portion of it. So that's like, that's the wrinkle. And that was, and that was enough to get stars to say, let's run this thing for two seasons, you know? So, that's kind of the thing that, you know, I think that when you're writing stuff to try to break in is you got to think about okay. that, you know, you have to, uh, you know, cause, and, and yeah, Vita. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Vida?
1: Yeah. Cause the thing is, is that, uh, you know, again, like the, so I mean the pilot I used, they told me in the room when I was interviewing, I mean, like I read the pilot and I came back to meet with the companies later and, and they were like, we want you because you know how to like, just like, channel the human experience in a way that's not that's that's that we can that's it you can channel the experience from your own experience right because when you come into a room you got to know how to like take what you've seen you know i mean it's like what's your superpower your superpower is x but do you know how to and and fucking everyone has one the problem is or not the problem but the hurdle or the needle you're trying to thread is do you know how to take your superpower and channel it so that showrunners can say, Oh, I want this in my room or I need this in my room because, you know, because, because this is a woman on our, in, on our show, she's got a, she was in the military and she worked for like in like government security or something like I, She's done, she did a lot, she did a whole lot of government security and private security and it makes perfect sense as to why, Someone who's got that background is going to work on The Equalizer, you know, mm-hmm. and she's maybe, I, I don't know, maybe a co-producer, maybe, I think, or executive story. I can't remember what, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what people's roles are, like anybody, either. we were never told, mm-hmm. um, but it's like, it, you see, oh, and sh- and she knows how to kind of like, and she's always got a little, qu- not a quip, but like a little, she can interject, oh, you know, there's a story about this, around this. Like, here's the tech that makes this work. Or, you know, so you see how people contribute and, you know, what's your value in the room and what kind of writer are you, you know? Because sometimes you can be really good on the page. Sometimes you're really good in the room. Sometimes you're, you know, like, you know, like you're even, you're balanced and, you know, back and forth. You know, (coughs) I mean, I think back to the sequence approach, like, Hilliard, is like, You know, coming from movies, there was a—I remember reading somewhere in one of these—the woman who wrote *Legally Blonde*. She had wrote an essay one time in, written by this maybe like ten years ago, about how she breaks down a movie. And she's like, "Okay, so you got your three acts, right? And then in your three acts, you've got your beginning, middle, and end of each act. And then for each." Be, and, and then for and, and, and then for the beginning, there's a beginning, middle, and end. For the middle, there's a beginning, middle, and end. And then for the end, there's a, there's a beginning, middle, and end. And it's like if you just kind of break it down by that, you just kind of fill out those things, not really caring about page. You just kind of know somewhere between 25 and 35, I gotta be out of act one. You know, but you but you can break it down in that way, and and then kind of speak it into a narrative as opposed to individual beats. And that's the way. Talk, that's the way that, like, I started breaking down movies.
0: I talked about that a lot too. I, about, what? I'm sorry. <clears throat> I talked about that a lot too about how once you've written, you know, 10, 15 scripts for the most part, you start to get to a place where you're not necessarily talking about what page am I on now. <clears throat> you start to go to how do I feel. Of and, and I think it's because you understand where you should be around that time. Like you said, you know there's this window between page twenty five and thirty five where you need to be out of one. <clears throat> you know what I mean? In a, in a feature yeah, film, yeah. so so you know that you have that window, so you you don't need to land at page twenty nine to get it. You can land at thirty two. Well, the if other it doesn't matter. The other thing
2: is, yeah, people get confused because like we're talking about frameworks and yet, Like a framework is not necessarily formula. It's not the same thing as I have to hit these certain things by a certain page. You establish that framework because it gives you clarity on kind of what you have, what else you need, and where you need to go. True. And Chris touched on it too. Again, it's it'll sound obvious to a lot of people listening, but like that escalation is the key. Like we know, okay, it's goals and obstacles, but escalation means it's clear to the reader, it's clear to the audience what and how things get harder for the character. Like, if that's not clear or that's murky, then, like, that's the source of a lot of the issues in the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and, the, thing I- is, yeah, and the thing about escalations is the mistake is to think that the escalation has to be you know, they always think the inciting incident and and what is this supposed to be? And you have your, 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 your ordinary world and blah, blah, blah. Like these buzzwords are thrown around. The Escalation doesn't have to be something physical. It doesn't have to be something violent. It can be an emotional escalation. That's right. You you know, like if if somebody gets really shitty news, like, Hey, your dad died and that, the thing that kind of kicks you off is the the and the movie could be about like say it's the movie or the show is about as uh, a crime like hey I'm giving I'm a robber I'm gonna I'm supposed to do this big bank job, but if the escalation is your dad died or your dad's got cancer and we can't afford the uh, treatments, that changes the character's motivation like 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 he was gonna do the crime anyway right you know but now it's yeah. like okay now I have to do the crime. Because I gotta save my dad, and it becomes and and that was the twist. I mean, and uh, sometimes also the escalations. I guess like you know a crime show or something like that. You know something that we're doing that we have we re- wrestle with is that sometimes the escalation isn't this. It's like you know, hey, the end of the teaser is a piece of violence. There's another piece of violence at the end of at the end of Act One. Sometimes the end of Act Two doesn't have to be like like the next piece of violence because it's like. Wow, the next piece of violence is like it's it, now it's really brutal, you know. Right. Like, what do you do? So that so maybe it's a it's the obstacle. It's like, hey, there's another zigzag. Like, and it could be like, oh, the police found out about your shit, and you don't mm-hmm. know it, you know? Because the escalation, the act out, and escalation doesn't necessarily have to be for um the characters. it's, right. it's, for, the, it's for the
2: audience. It's the audience important. has to experience it, even if the characters don't know or aren't fully aware.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the I thing always, about
2: it's like.
0: The, uh, good. I was going to say, I always like the uh-oh moments too, <clears throat> you know, where you don't have to end on a cliff. Of course. End you're in on a uh-oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? That'll, that'll make you yeah. wait too. Yeah. That'll make you come back after a commercial. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go ahead, Chris.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's 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 you know we always talk about it in television. It's like it's a term that I had never heard because obviously it's a damn TV writers' room term. The the privileged POV,
2: you know, yeah. which is
1: the point of view that the of the the point of view and the point of view of the characters who aren't the stars. You know, again in movies you get this all the fucking time. You get. You know, I mean, unless you are writing Chinatown, where Jake Giddies is in every fucking scene in the movie, you know, there is never cool. a moment where you see something that he doesn't see. Um, you have to have these privileged POV scenes, you know. But, but, as, but at the same time, sometimes you like there is certain things you do in movies, and in, you know, to, that are solely for the audience. But don't. But if you are really good at masking it, you don't know that it's for the audience. Like I was telling someone the other day, you know, about like in the first Star Wars movie, there's a scene where they're on the Millennium Falcon and they've left Tatooine and they're trying to get to Alderaan, not knowing it's been blown up. And they're, you know, heading to the Death Star. And Luke is being trained by Kenobi. He's wearing like this, this little drone and he's got something to cover his eyes. And when it's over, he mentions something about the Force. And Han Solo says... I've been to like one end of this galaxy and the other, and you know, I never seen anything to make me believe in like some all knowing force, you know, and it's kind of like a dismissive line to let him know that he's like doubting this, you know, this magic and blah, blah, blah. But see, that line is really for the audience. That's a line for the audience. The audience hasn't really seen true power of the force. Yeah, they've seen him kind of like have seen Vader choke that dude with his hand and the little, little jetty mind trick to light him. You don't see other oh, right. for before, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. But you need that line because at the end of the movie, when Luke is like fine, he's fine in the trench and he ter- turns off his targeted computer and your boy Kenobi says in the ghost form, like, use the force, Luke. And he's like, okay, I'm going to channel the fucking power of the universe to do this. Then you're like, oh shit. Okay. And when he does it it's like it's a it's a it's the completion of the promise that was questioned by Solo because if the audience yeah. is questioning anything you know because you because it's brought up earlier by Kenobi when he when he rescues Luke for the same clever movie.
2: clever setup and yeah. cleverly paid off yeah yeah, yeah. it reminds That's me it's of... really clever you don't even know it's a setup early yeah. in the movie. That's like
1: it's, it's that's like genius level writing. You're like, oh, because yeah. it's so it, put it, in there, you know. And that's a good it, thing you say, Tracy, about like yeah. about payoffs and I mean setups and payoffs. Everything you do in writing is about, particularly in a serialized story, is payoff, is setup and payoff. You know, it, it's just it's
0: one of the classics things that I look for because I I get to read a lot of horror scripts and. It's exactly the thing we're talking about—the the setups and setups and payoffs. <clears throat> Here's a perfect example, in a cheesy movie that still did it right. The original Friday the Thirteenth, right? Classic movie, right? <laughs> all the kids show up at the camp, and the old man walks by and says, "I told the others, and they didn't believe me, and you're all doomed." And everybody's looking like, what the fuck is he talking about? Oh, that shit comes back. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. early. It's like page six. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He tells you early, do not go into this camp.
1: You know yeah, what don't mean? go to Camp Crystal Lake <laughs> at all. Yeah, don't fuck exactly. up.
0: But that's set up and then payoff is what happens that night. You know what I mean? And so, so it's the little things. But without that moment they just would have been wandering and we would have any kind of, well, what's going to happen if they go there? You know?
1: Yeah. There's Plans. that. It's, 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 it's for the audience. Like the setup and payoff is, is what makes a story satisfying to the audience, not necessarily to the characters, you know? Cause it's right. the tricky thing about a horror movie is, as you bring that up is we know we're watching a horror film, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we want that person who's like, who's like the poor, who's giving you the portent of doom. You know, no. characters yeah. don't know they're in a horror movie. Characters, because yeah. if characters knew they were in a horror movie, you know what? That movie would be over my five minutes. They're like, you know what? Right. This is even bad. I'm going home. <laughs> I ain't going to the lake. Oh, you said it's bad there? Peace. You know, old man. Yeah. Which, I, all, right, yeah, all, right, all right.
0: Which is why they're always going to party, by the way. Do you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Chris,
0: we were going to talk about um, changing the subject uh, a little bit, shifting. Uh, I can't remember, Tracy. Did you end up reading Will the book or listening?
2: I started it. I haven't finished it. Okay. Um, Chris finally finished I had the so we audio were book about a couple
0: little things in that. You would still want to get into that little piece?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just you know what I I mean, look. You had talked about that book several times through the year. You had read it. You had loved it. You had recommended getting the audio version. You know, I got the audio version. I didn't really get a chance to start listening to it until I was on Equalizer because I would use it to kind of decompress. For I'd take like a half-hour walk every day after the room or an hour walk to kind of like just decompress. I would listen to the book. And, you know, it was interesting listening to that book this is after the whole thing with the slap at the Oscars, you know. So you write you. Yeah, so I had so, heard it right
0: before the slap. So yeah,
1: you yeah, right before. Yeah, so yeah. so you so it's really so it's it probably be interesting because once you like like re or like you listen to what what his life was like, like the inner the inner story. Of Will Smith that he's going to tell us and he's so vulnerable and so much like I need to tell you about my life because I'm at a point now in week 54 or something like that where it's like I don't need to be ashamed of things in my life that I was probably ashamed of or kept quiet And you obviously learn later on in the last couple of chapters you know some sort of midlife, not a midlife crisis but he's having a marriage crisis or family crisis and he shifted a lot of things, but he's so. But you see how he feels about women. You see his like like he's got, um, you know, like he's been attuned in a certain way where to protect women. You know, his dad, you know, beat up his mom a lot. You know, I mean, to nothing. the point, yeah, yeah. And he, and he, I mean, look, I think in the first chapter, he's calling himself. Uh, you know what? I'm a coward coward. Yeah. He yeah. Says it so right. many times throughout the book. I'm a coward. I'm a coward. And it's really interesting to hear that from someone who's so charismatic and so kind of like the last 30 years, like such a, such a, a, a vibrant mm. extrovert type of personality to say, I'm a coward because he never could protect the women in his life. And then, and it's so, it's so ingrained early on. And, um, you know, and he's always looking and he's also like, I, I always look for the validation of my life from women as opposed to like internal validation. I don't need someone to tell me, you know, and there's, and later on in the book, like this this, um, this German woman says to him something, the paraphrasing is like, if you look to, to women for, for your validation, that's the road to your doom. You know, because women look, because women look for you to be their rock, to be strong. All this, you know, it's really fascinating thing that she's saying, you know, it's not to say toxic masculinity or anything like that. It's like, you you know, they are looking for you to be a certain way because, and if, and if you are looking for the validation from them, you're never going to be like, you'll never make them happy. And therefore you yourself are never going to be happy. So when you see him like explode the way he did, it's kind of like it's not really, um, it didn't come out of nowhere. If you yeah. had read his book or understand like 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 his you know like his psychology, look. He, I mean, I mean, look. He took it to an extreme. But it's not like, oh my God, he's just a violent person who gets hit someone who cracked on his wife. It's like, no, he has a thing about that. So I thought that was very fascinating about the book, and it gave like context to what he did. That I think a lot of people, particularly in Hollywood, are ne- are, are not gonna like. I'm, look, I'm not saying I'm not saying he gets an excuse or a pass, but it's like, but forgiveness comes from understanding. You know, and if you're going to forgive this guy for what he did, granted he hasn't had his public apology or whatever, to, you know, he hasn't verbally said he's sorry to Chris Rocket and things like that. But it's like, but you see that, like, I feel a lot of times people's psychology determines a lot of their actions that that their internal stuff that they keep hidden, really hidden, is a thing that causes confusion to outsiders, Why would you do that? Why would you throw away career? I don't understand. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it's like, what's wrong with him? Is is he, you know, but he also mentions like, there's another scene in there when he's like, when he first starts off and he's probably doing that, I think it's maybe season one of Fresh Prince, you know, him and James Lasseter and Benny Medina, this other white guy who's like Benny's partner, they're having a meeting with, with NBC because they wanted to change some story stuff and they get brought into this executive's office and the executive like gets behind will you know like he's marching around The four of them are sitting down but the executive the nbc guy and he's like he's circling them like a shark and he gets behind will and like and he's like oh yeah so james and i lock eyes and we're like dude if this guy doesn't this guy puts his hands on you Are you ready to swing on him? And he's like, Yes, we're ready to swing. And Lassiter picks up like he picks up like one of those snow globes. Like he's ready to like smash him in the face. And it's like, oh, they have like and he's like, oh, this is when the 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 West Philly mentality didn't get out of me. You know, despite me having some success, despite me in this environment where there's never gonna be a brawl in a boardroom at a television fucking set. I mean, the mm-hmm. studio. This, this is not gonna happen, you know. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of why in that movie RoboCop when they when that thing comes in there and kills that guy, it's so shocking because you're like, that's the wrong place for that to happen, you know. Like, it'd be different yeah. if you were at the yeah. you're you at the gun range to test that thing, right. but the, so. But yeah. you just kinda, you kind of get like, insight into his life. I mean, look, like uh, I think. But besides that, what I think is really interesting about that book is. We're all of the age that like we grew up right, you know, like in, you know, as his rise to fame happened, you know. And it's interesting to hear someone who is, he's there at like ground zero at the rise of hip hop, you know, which, okay, boom. And that's all stuff that we remember. He's there at ground zero at the resurgence, at the the rise of black television in the 90s. Right, boom, he, Ground Zero, and that's all something we remember. He's there at the rise of black actors being able to cross over, you know, into white projects, you know, and and you know, and, and the genre stuff that you know that, that everybody wants to do. And it's like to get his inside point of view on all of that, and it's very fascinating. I think for anybody who's just like who's interested in the history of our culture. Uh, in terms of Black people, in terms of entertainment, in terms of just pop culture in the last 40 years.
2: You know? Yeah. Agreed. It's well worth the time. And again, I haven't gotten all the way through, but extremely insightful relative to the slap, uh, his current marriage, all of the things that happened. And, you know, like that boardroom story, like that's a that's a trauma response. And you know, some folks who are listening may not relate, but you know, if you've been jumped, if you've been robbed, if you had a gun stuck in your face as a kid, like that kind of thing stays with you. And so, but to to Chris's point, there, there's lots of valuable insight that artists and creatives use, could use, um, what he drew from his father as a child, work ethic, focus, discipline, um, having a plan, him and James Lassiter, having specific goals. A lot of things we've talked about on this podcast many times before. Like, so it's a really good, as, as with many biographies of highly successful and highly accomplished people um black folks and otherwise there's there's still a great deal of instructive info in uh in will's book so it's it's worth bringing back
0: let me piggyback off of that though just just adding to what you were saying all those great things What i came out of the book and i'm not sure how this did this for you chris i did find it interesting you did say that you found yourself every day you know, coming out of the room and you take a walk and you listen, like I would be doing that when I. the reason I get through books so fast is I listen to it when I'm getting dressed. I listen to it when I'm in the shower, I, you know, when I'm cooking. So I'm constantly on this grind. I'm driving in the car or whatever. <clears throat> and so, um, but it literally that book in particular, I was addicted to it. Like I could not stop listening to it. Like I, I don't know what it was, there was just something no, well, about it that made me,
1: so, uh, you know so what I mean? There's two things, two things that I totally agree with you. I mean, like at the time, I was there's three of the books I'm reading, two of the books I'm listening to, but I'm but i would always going kind to of turn to that first, just kind of like get 30, 40 minutes into it. I mean, it's like a, and the thing is that I realize is it's a 16-hour read to listen yeah. to. And I realize if I was reading this on my own, I could probably get through it in four hours easily you know i mean i mean it's, you know how you read the kindle one it would tell you how, how many the time after after reading about 10 minutes it would tell you how much time it anticipates you to get through a book you know and that but the thing is is that it's a testament to how skilled of skills wrong, a skilled a well skilled and talented entertainer he is cuz you listen to it he puts all of his acting chops into the read. It's not just somebody reading. It's like, there, I mean, there's that moment in the book. It's, I, think, I think one of the coolest moments in the book is that you would never be able to really capture this if you're reading on your own is early on when him and Jazzy Jeff they go to th- some sort of like world supremacy like like dj battle the battle and, of world supremacy yes the battle of world supremacy it like let's in new york and 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 jeff does this he takes some song and he kind of like does this scratch thing to kind of like to win the thing that blows everyone's mm-hmm. fucking mind and and will is, is able to like do the little hey i sh- Said like he's able to do the scratching, you know, and put that in there, do the scratch sound, and say the word and say the lyrics, and it does it in that melodic way that, mm-hmm. that that he can do because he's a singer that 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 brings you back to that moment in a way that makes you go like, I remember when hip hop was like that, and you go, fuck, that's cool. He does that for so many moments in the book that have to do with like him telling a story or or particularly like any, I mean, the story that he tells when he like didn't want to do summertime like he was right. fucking exhausted and lost his voice and they gave him this th- this CD that said like it said like untitled on it he was pissed and then he starts going. Yeah, they gave me this thing and I put my ears in and then, and and then the, the the music of it starts to come up real slow in the background of the vo- the audiobook and you go, "Oh, this is that moment." And it, and, it, and the, like the storytelling that he was that he was such a fucking study of like he's also my books he's read the storytelling stuff like he's read he's he said that, that uh the the hero with a thousand faces he read it over a dozen times and so he's like a master and understanding the, the full craft of telling stories like he's on like the level of him and tom cruise of understanding i need to deliver for the audience I, I don't care about just my role but like what's the full experience i'm giving them he's aware of that and that's why he had that that's just that magnificent run because most people don't plan their career that way. You know, Uh, I
0: walked out reading, listening to the book though. And this is the thing I was curious about for you guys. Like every, it just made me want to get up earlier and work harder. Like it, it had that thing to it. Like I was in that state of mind.
1: Okay. Here's what's really fascinating. Right. I didn't, this is something I didn't, I, I like, like I knew this, but I didn't know this, this way. The guy, Daryl Foster, who trained him for Ali, the boxer who almost killed someone. It's this guy, he's right. a boxer. He almost killed someone when he was like a, in his teens, before he was even 18, like in the ring, and he got barred from boxing. <coughs> I knew him for like almost a year. I hung out with Daryl oh, for almost a year oh, that's funny. because there was an acting class that I was taking, and he was in that acting class. And it was and it was and it coincided with the time that he was um, working with Will Smith on Ali because you know, oh. he told me and, and the guy who was his stand in stump double for Ali was this other guy that I knew that I used to hang out with. But Daryl taught me so much as in terms of like dedication, because he, this is a guy who. You know, he's got no formal education. You know, it's probably like a junior high dropout probably. Uh, so his, his So his command of English was very much like a street guy, you know. Mm-hmm. But he was constantly doing the classic plays, Shakespeare, Ibsen, fucking check off. Like he was always doing that shit in the acting class to like work his chops. And I was like, damn dude. Like what? I mean, like to me, I gave him a lot of props. Cause I was like, I love oh, this. You're doing this because there's no one else even trying to do this in class. You know, it's really difficult to do Shakespeare, you know, for anybody. And you're pushing yourself. And then, and he would always tell me, and, and he's like, man, to be the best, you have to like challenge yourself with the best, with the most difficult shit you can do. And it was, and it, I mean, and that kind of rubbed off on me. It fell apart. It would it didn't stay with me for that. Uh, I was bring back to it, but it didn't stay with me the way it did with Will. Cause he was with Will for like 10, 12 years. And, uh, you know, and he taught Will so much. Like he would say that fight camp mentality, that he brought to his family, which kind of caused some issues. But you, do, but you do know, like, oh, the drive you need to have that string of number one hits that's unprecedented, it's never going to be broken. And, I mean, it's like you see where it comes from Daryl, because Daryl was like, you are the perfect person for me to take my work ethic and funnel it through. Because you already have some success, and you have, and um, it was that interesting part when he first got into the ring, the box, and he was he hit real hard, and he was like, "I could quit right now," <laughs> but I'm not, you know. And 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 he's yeah. like, he's, he was like, "That's the moment where I decided I'm gonna go through this." And when he got up, after getting hit, and they were, like, boxing with real heavyweight champs, like Michael Moore and shit like that. And it's like, and he took a hit from her. And if they weren't not pulling punches. They were, like, throwing real blows. And he got up and, like, took it and, like, he was like, yeah, this is what it means to see star. I mean, he's really so honest about it that you're just like, now I see what you got to do. And Will's whole thing also, as, as a lot of people like this, I mean, this is what Billy Ray, has, Billy Ray always says, is, like, I'm not the most talented writer. You can't outwork me. Right. You know, and 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 part of what the only thing that we can control as creatives is no, you can only put your energy on what you can control. Put your energy on shit that you can't control causes too much like neuroses and shit like that. You can control your work ethic, so you get up. or I mean, same with me. I started reading that, and I was like, well, you know what? I'm having trouble getting to the gym in the in the evening and blah blah blah. If I just go to bed at ten. I can get up at six or sorry. No, I can be at the gym at six and then be back by seven showered and ready to write my own shit by seven 30. And I can do that for an hour and a half. And then from nine to 1030, I'm prepping for the room. And, and that's what you I see, did. That's what
0: I'm saying. That's what it did. It makes you want to yeah. do that.
1: Yeah. You know, Focus, it, it literally, it discipline. really,
0: it put me in this whole new that That's yeah. why I felt ready for this job just from listening to the book.
1: Yeah, because the thing about about it is, if you think, I mean, if you you listen to his book, yes, he's talented, you know, which that's the X factor with him. But everyone has, if you're out here and you believe you have a talent that you need to be able to marshal to some degree successfully, how do you do that the right way is a matter of some, you know, what's the plan? I mean, when he was talking about how him and James Lasseter like sat down there and read, I don't know, like, like they got they read all these scripts to figure out. It was after they did, um, uh, what's you call it, uh, six degrees of separation.
2: Six degrees, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, 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 like James is like, we need to find out what makes a movie successful. You know what's the They were going looking about-
0: at it almost like mathematically and shit. Well, because it? yeah,
1: well, yeah. you know, and they did that, and it's like you have to do that because that's like you can't be that capricious about what you want to do creatively. And and the thing they had said were like, hey, sci- it's a genre thing. So usually science fiction. It's uh, got to have special effects and like a few other things. He kind of he kind of ran them down in the book about things they were looking for in their. Uh, you know, you know, kind of like his equation. And he mentioned this. I mean, I think they were going to pay him $10 million for some movie. I can't remember what it was. Um, and James is like, I think you need to turn this down. And uh, it was big. It was a big one. It's, yeah. a big, it's a big movie that got made. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, and then the, and he was like, James, what are you talking about? And he turned it down. The next thing they did was Independence Day. And, you know, he was like, cool, cool, cool. And the next thing he did was, um.
0: Was it, Men in Black? No. it was Men in Black, Men Wild, in Black. West, Men in Black. Yeah. Yeah. And the
1: thing is, there's a great story in the book where he's like, you probably got this far, Tracy, where, it's, where he was like, yeah, where James and him were like, maybe we shouldn't do Men in Black because it's too similar to yeah. um, Independence Day, where it's science fiction, it's uh, special effects, it's this, like, the, it checked up all the boxes, but that "Ab, is too similar. And then he's like, turned it down, and then he gets a call from Steven Spielberg. Not, and he's not. like, and he's in New York, recording something and he's and Spielberg's like, hey, where are you? He's like, Oh, I'm in New York doing blah. And he's like, okay, cool. Why don't you go to my house in the Hamptons? And he was like, he's like, but 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 he's like, I'll take a helicopter. And, he, and he's just like, What? And he was like, Okay, I meet Spielberg, and he what do you want to do? And he tells him the reason why he doesn't want to do it. I mean, he's like, Well, I mean, I want to do it, Steven, but I don't, Mr. Spielberg, but I don't it feels like this. And he was like, and he was like. Let me help you make that decision for you. <laughs> and he kind of like and, and then he says some shit where he's like, who do I listen to? Do I listen to this man? And he's like, Jaws, Ghost Encounters, boom. And just right. name out the film. Or, or I listen to myself. And he's like, I listen to him. And it's just interesting that w- the way that kind of played out, because it, it fit all the mode, but it was different enough. From independence day you know th- you know because he's now the co-lead as opposed to just like he's part of the ensemble and that whole the next thing you know it like plugs into the rest of his his game plan where his like cousin or or one of his boys some Philly, was that na- is now helping him with his his music and he's like there's a song we can do to promote this movie you know, and it's like, and he and, and Will wasn't really feeling it, but then he brought into, the, but the guy brought that the track in for Men in Black's the song, which they were able to get out and use that to promote the movie the following summer, and it was like, so right. he was able to like to 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 use everything at his disposal in a way because he's thinking at it like a business, the math you said, Hilliard, as opposed right. to what I want to do, like you know, like creatively, because obviously if you're Will Smith. At that time, as I can't remember the the movie that he turned down, but it's like the creative opportunities are. And everyone says this all the time: those big actors have got twenty projects in front of them that are paying them their quote that all kind of fit their creative juices. You know, to a degree, you know, based upon what they've done, what they might, what they might have said in, a, in an interview they want to do, and things like that. So it's like, what is the thing that gets them? Oh, so, so he's not, you know, like there's no shortage of man. I can't find the next science fiction film with with effects and blah blah. blah, blah you know, you know, three hundred million. Uh, where's that at? He not, he don't have that. No. You know, he gets so yeah. He gets so I mean, like, it's gets. kind of like that's his business plan. You know. Um. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot. Go ahead.
0: Here, here's something interesting. uh, Before we wrap up, that I want to talk about was my the the one of the things I got the biggest thing that I got out of it was I'm one of those black dudes who could swim, but I refuse to get in open water. So, like, we'll go to Hawaii and Belize and all that shit. I mean, I'll get in, but I ain't getting in. If you know what I mean. I ain't going. I ain't, I ain't fucking with well, that. Well, well, you know what's funny? <laughs> <laughs> let, 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 let me finish. <laughs> he wouldn't get in the water at all. At all? He at put all. his feet in the water. Like, I would put my feet in the water. Like, he won't do none of that. <clears throat> now, yeah. so he tells this, this is toward the end. He tells this amazing story about, and you could clarify some of this for me. He meets this woman who. I forget who he said she was now. It's been a minute since I read it. She's um, a psychologist. She's a German psychologist. Yeah, yeah. And and she slowly takes him out in the water and teaches him how to become one with the water. Now he goes out swimming with sharks, takes scuba diving at night. Like, I I can't even imagine how I could ever cross this threshold. And, and knowing that he was in that state makes me go, how can I get past this? You know? Well, here's the thing.
1: Yeah. Like... No, you because I just I I like this. It's that was such a great part of the book, and I, I and I was thinking about that. I mean, I was thinking about you when I read that because I want to ask you about <laughs> this too. Because mm-hmm. is the thing is is that he and he even had that story where he almost drowned. He he made up a story about how he almost drowned and his mom saved him, which was mm-hmm. fake. It was so, the fear of water was so ingrained. He he generated a, a a past history that was unreal, but it's like, you know, that woman, she was, it's you know, there's a woman he meets. I can't remember her name. Uh, it's like if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, you know, he has that moment in his life when he's sitting there at the breakfast table. And his daughter, like like Willow says, it's so sad. Daddy has yeah. a, a vision of a family that he wants and it's not us. And yeah, he like, and that's the line that breaks him like spiritually where he goes trying to find out and he meets this woman, this Austrian or German psychologist. And she says to him, the thing about it, Hilliard is this, remember she says, yeah. You gotta learn how to swim in the water because if you understand the water, you'll understand women better. Because remember yeah, how he was, yeah. saying, remember he was saying. Remember he was saying. he was Like like she on the first meeting she says to him. So what do you want? And he was like, I want a harem. You know, and he's like, Oh, shit, I didn't mean to say that. She's like, No, 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 no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Who are the women in your harem? He just names all these people that he wants and blah, blah, blah. And and it's not a sexual harem. It's women that that, like these women who like represent things that he wants. Some people are not alive anymore.
0: Some people are not. All this kind
1: of stuff. stuff. And he was like, and he went out to even meet all the women that he wanted his harem because they represented some piece of knowledge or experience in life that he wanted. And now she's like, okay. And then she's telling him the story about. So there's that part of the story. Then the story about you can't be, can't look for validation from women. And then she finds out about the swimming. She's like, you gotta learn how to swim, because you'll understand. If you understand, the ocean, which is you'll understand like how women work better, and and that'll make you a better man. And I was like, I mean, like, I mean, I remember I went back and I wrote that. i had to like rewind like four or five times, wrote all of that down. Cause I was like, that's really fascinating because in my life, I had wanted to do scuba diving for like 20 years. And I, you know, like I grew up with the pool. I had, you know, I, I knew how to swim really well. I had no problem with swimming in the ocean. I hadn't done it in a really, really long time. Um, but, you know, there's a thing that I, you know, that everybody has about, Trying to breathe underwater. the water, and they tell you this in the scuba class. Like everything you've learned since you were a child is hold your breath the minute your head goes underwater. So you always have, you're always doing that. Doesn't matter if you're in the bathtub, you're holding, you're holding your breath, you know, because you want to be able to breathe. The only thing is that if you hold your breath when you scuba dive, you can blow up your lungs. So you can never hold your breath. You always have to breathe, and it's, a, it was, it, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. Because what happens is if you hold your breath, and the the you know so they they say to you, oh, it's like a balloon, right? So if you take a balloon, and you put a certain amount of air in it, and you put it in the water. That amount of air is there, right? And then if you bring it down, and the way the water works is like every Foot or yes, it's every foot of water, it adds the pressure doubles, you know. Yeah. So, you got to constantly be breathing out your nose and and this thing called like clearing your lungs. You constantly got to breathe so that there's never a set amount of air in your lungs. And because when you go down and go down, the, the, the if you that you when you're studying with the balloon, the, the same amount of air in the balloon. It starts the pressure on it, like, you know, like begins to con- to contract the balloon, right? The water mm-hmm. pressure is pushing on your body and it's pushing your lungs closer. And then if you go up, if you go up, because you got to go up, it, um, uh, the pressure comes off so fast because it's every foot, you know. And if you think about it, how fast a foot is on your body, you're six feet, you start moving, like, uh, you start moving through pressure real fast, then it, it'll span too fast. And it'll cause your fucking lungs to to burst. You might not die. You usually die, but you might not die. Uh but yeah. but if you don't, it causes such crazy damage to you. Uh so that so so that's a fear that I always had, you know, and I had to get over that just in the pool, you know, yeah. just in the pool. You could go down to like twelve feet down, and twelve feet down yeah. is still that's a lot of pressure on you feel it. The water pressure is real. Yeah. Ears are ringing. So for ringing. him to do it. It's crazy, you know, it's it's crazy. But I feel like part of his book that those later stages when he realizes he's at a point in his life where he's like, I got all the shit that I want. I got the big ass house. I got the children that love me. I got the helping out my mom and dad. I got the wife that I love and blah, blah, blah. But something's missing. You know, what's missing? You know, and he goes and he's, he's on this quest to like figure out like, how do I get out of that fight camp mentality, which might serve my... Fan my career, but not my family. Like I, he's just you know what he's shown. He's what he showed was, uh, the work life balance for him was way out of whack. You know, and you and he might thought say, he, like, was he was doing everything
0: stupid. for his family, but it was really mm-hmm. all for himself. You know what I mean? He didn't yeah. realize it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, um, I mean, it's, and it is and and that's a real thing, you know, because it's something that like I absolutely suffer from is like the work life balance you know last night i was supposed to go out with some friends to play some poker and i was like i'll do it if i get a, a certain distance in the script you know then i got closer to the mm-hmm. time when it was like go time and i and i was like i'm not where i want to be and i called them i said guys i don't know if i can make like, it oh it's cool because everyone is corona anyway i was like okay cool fine <laughs> but like but in my mind like i was like weighing that for like two or three hours like like at like, it, like every time i was stop in the writing, like the thing about something else would come in my head, I would go, ah, oh, do I, do I want to go to this thing tonight or not? I just, and I was battling it and I was like, in my head, I was like, I, you know, I look, I mean, it's, it's something that I battle with and everyone has probably had battles in some degree, yeah. you know? Um, but like I did feel guilty about it the whole time. So, some people might not feel guilty about it. I mean, it felt like the will did not feel good about it because he didn't even recognize it as a problem, you know? Yeah. Because um, he's doing everything anyway, like taking his, he's buying up fucking like these mansions in Vale for a weekend and bringing all his friends. So he was doing a lot of interesting stuff anyway. But he's not. But he would even say, you know, like when he was on vacation in Vail and with twenty people and shit like that, he was still working, getting up early, meeting with people, doing shit. You know, he wasn't really taking a vacation. He's like reading and strategizing for when we. He he had the whole thing where he's like, what like the holidays for me were a time to get a jump on the competition, you know. That's yeah. that's. I mean, and I, you know what? I use it all the time. I understand that. Right. I think I, I think you we know, all understand is, that for sure.
0: You know, I mean, for sure.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, because it's a great you book. book. I
0: recommend it. to, to I'm sorry, but
1: no, no, no. You're right. I mean, I recommend everybody. Totally read it. I recommend so it. Very You
0: like or appreciate what he did. None of us are condoning what he did. So please don't get that twisted at all. We're not right. saying that. But but I will say, and I'll echo kind of what both of us are saying. Having read the book, I understand why more why he did it. Let's just put it like absolutely,
1: absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I remember like after it happened
0: backstage. (laughs) Yeah, when it happened, and not in front of everybody. Yeah, Yeah. because
1: I feel you know because I I remember after it happened, like there was all these you know these internet guys like Corey Holcomb and. Uh, I think what's his name was still alive then, that guy, Kevin Samuels, and a bunch of people and these those internet, those YouTube personalities were like we were just dissecting it and like taking him to task and I was like, you know, and their whole thing was like, Oh, he's just a fool and blah, blah blah and it's like, Oh, but you know, it's like a deep core wound with him, you know, and it's like yeah. certain wounds that are like that, you never gonna escape. You can only kind of like We all have a trigger. Of... Yeah.
2: That's right. You know? That's right. And these are strange times to begin with. Um, as we're recording this, the comedian Craig Robinson was at a comedy club in North Carolina. Somebody in the club had a gun, let off in the club. They had to get Craig Robinson out of there. Wow. Um, he is safe and sound, so shout out to him. But strange economic times and strange times in business in general. So everybody listening, you just kind of keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Embrace your support system. Hopefully you have one. If That's a a friend. If it's a spouse, if it's a pet, if it's your writer's group, um, lean on that support, whatever it is. And, you know, Do what you need to do to keep moving forward. This is no dress rehearsal, and, you know, none of us are getting a do-over. So time to do what you do.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, the times are really – I mean, they've been the last – what? This is year three now, right? We're we're into year three right now with the pandemic, and it's like that – like, I don't think anybody – as I guess, un, like, understands the psychological shift that we the, the whole world is going through, and because the pandemic, because Corona or something else, service is probably never going to go away. Um, uh, mm-hmm. just we just have to manage it. We're I don't know if, if, if we'll ever really get a chance to pull back and look at. It. I remember there was a book I read a long time ago called Razor's Edge by Somerset Mom it's written by a guy, I can't remember, it's about what happens to people that, the lost generation, which was the, the people who were in World War One, because they had never had anything like that with that kind of warfare, that, you know, <clears throat> the way the world had moved out of warfare in a, in a degree, it had been a long time since there was a war, you know, whatever, it's the Civil War was 60 years before, so you're looking at three, four generations before anyone even, even remember shit, really. And it's a different kind of war, and it affected people in a certain way. I mean, and, and unlike most other wars, it like destroyed empires and restructured the world and restructured wealth. And, you know, it took them 10, 15 years before they were able to like kind of like examine it and realize how it kind of altered the way people like view things, you know? I mean, it's, I mean, I like, the, like these last three or four years and like 10 years from now, they might be viewed the same way the Great Depression, you know, like affected like all those families, you know? Um, We'll see.
2: Strange times.
0: Well, Well, on that note, thank you guys. Appreciate y'all. Where you at, Tracy Grant?
2: Uh, At The Real Trey on Twitter. T-H-E-R-E-E-L-T-R-E-Y on Twitter. Tracy Grant, 5439 on Instagram. Holler at me. Uh, Watch Lace. Season ones on All Black, you can get it on Amazon Prime DPI. Our web series is on YouTube and Vimeo. How, how you guys doing? DPI, the series, all caps. Um, we here. We grinding. You know, I'm trying to. I'm trying to catch up with with these two cats here. So we are out here on the grind. And the- Chris, there.
1: <laughs> I am at Unauthorized CBD on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but I, I don't get on that much during the, uh, the, the, the writing of my show right now. I'm just, I'm just,
2: you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm
1: grinding. I, I'm grinding the way Tracy's talking about. I'm grinding a lot. So, but I do check it maybe like once a week or something like that. So hit me up if you want to hit me up, talk about anything.
0: As was, up. And I am your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you listen to. We're all over the world, anywhere, whatever you listen to. um, Please subscribe, follow us, give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Um, What else we got, Chris?
1: Uh, you can support our show at ScreenwritersRR.com. You can find the link to our Patreon page where you can find various tiers to support the show. $2, $5, $10, $35, $100, up to you. Uh, but also on if you're listening to it on Anchor uh, or Spotify, you can donate to the show directly. There'll be a link on the podcast page, uh, and we'd appreciate any support that anyone could give us. Uh, once again, it's screenwritersrr.com.
0: For sure. <clears> and thanks so, to those who've supported already. Yes, for sure. All of you guys. We appreciate you. Um, anyway, if you guys have grown, you know how we do it on the Ramp Room, on the show. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? 20.
2: 2022.
0: 20, 20. 22. <laughs> hey, Tracy, stay on the line right quick. Peace, y'all. Yeah, man,
1: I got something to get off my chest
2: everyone got one what's your opinion this is the ramp room tons won't be bitten ain't no rules just spill it and anybody can get it no limit we hit to kill it
0: you
1: tuning into the thrillers and no
0: ain't no stopping any topic
1: even the random i hope that you ready we entering in the zone soon we only grown shit welcome to the ramp room
2: that's it that's all i got to say